0: Boom, <coughs> no, no, no.
1: to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the quibbler to the daily prophet of mangum reads we are three muggles who use blackmail illegal broom tapering and torture to win my name is sarah i am joined as always by my co-host bj and spencer how are you all doing
0: suddenly feeling like much more of a heel than i did a few minutes ago <laughs>
2: Thank you for that. really it's the quibbler the heel in this because the daily <laughs> prophets it is defamatory. Uh, Mormon, Mormon, the second part. Quibbler's in its own separate category that barely even interacts. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like the National Enquirer doesn't really do, like, hatchet pieces. Right.
0: If, if there was a series of Venn diagrams overlap, the Quibbler and National Enquirer are just kind of like a floating orb that just kind of vaguely doesn't orbit around them at various points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of that category.
1: Yes. <laughs> Every once in a while, they tangentially and accidentally touch neg- re- regular news.
0: There is an impact event. Yes.
1: Um, So we do a podcast here where we have some segments. We are on chapter... Ten. Ten. Chapter ten of the fifth book of Harry Potter. Yeah. Luna Lovegood. I'm so excited to be here. Um, We have a rapid fire recap. We have uh, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbies Notes with Spencer. We award house points, and then there are questions and uh, and I'm going to ask one up
2: front. Which is, it's not time for that. Is, are, is there a character that that falls more into the trope of goofy glasses and goofy hair to make somebody look weird than Luna Lovegood? Because I mean, if you if you look look up the movie, like the things that they do with the characters to sort of make them like fit into the characters, Luna Lovegood just looks like a I don't fucking know.
1: Okay, so I, I just want to clarify something that if you're looking at pictures of her from the movies, and she is wearing weird glasses, those are for a reason, not things that she wears all the time.
2: Okay, but I, that, I feel like that makes it even more suspect, right? <laughs> you are prejudging the shit out of a character you just met in this chapter. I'm prejudging <laughs> what they did in the movies to m- try and get the character more aligned with what's in the book.
1: And they just needed radish earrings.
0: The radish earrings go a long way in terms of giving me a concept of this character.
1: Yeah. So, we'll get into it. (laughs) But first, we have such
2: things as a rapid-fire recap.
1: I wheeze a bit
2: about things, but that's getting more and more taken over by uh, my invasion of newbies notes. Well, Uh, for the rapid-fire recap, this is a shorter chapter than last time, and things certainly happen in
0: it, but it's a weird chapter to summarize. Nothing happens in it. How long do you think you need for what is a literally transitory chapter?
1: I well, as happens in these transitory chapters, um, I think my recap is long, so I am going winging two a prayer minutes. under two minutes. Is I'm not making a bet. If I can just get it under, we'll be we'll be doing all right.
0: Okay. Well, we wish you the best of luck whenever you're ready. One of you wishes me the best of luck. I definitely do. <laughs>
1: Harry's still dreaming about corridors and locked doors and wakes up to pure chaos as everyone tries to get to the Hogwarts Express. Punctuated by Mrs. Black's racist screaming, they finally gather all the kids, their stuff, and the guard Mad-Eyes insisting on. They set off on foot with Sirius coming along as a somewhat undog-like padfoot. They easily make it onto Platform 9 and 3 quarters and onto the train, although not without lingering worries about having Sirius out in public. Harry tries to get them to a... A compartment, but is met with an uncomfortable new situation as prefects, Ron and Hermione, have to go to a specific carriage to get instructions and patrol the corridors. After many protestations on all sides that everything's fine, Harry and Jenny try to find a place with Harry avoiding the stairs he's uh, sure are prompted by the stories about him in the Daily Prophet. They run into Neville, and Jenny uh, directs them to a carriage with Looney, I mean Luna, Lovegood, a Ravenclaw in Jenny's ear. And she is bonkers. From the earrings to the necklace to the upside-down quibbler she's reading, uh, Neville produces his birthday present, a rare Mimbulus Mimbletonia plant that shoots terrible-smelling goo when threatened. As soon as the stink sap's gone all over the carriage, Cho Chang appears, throwing Harry into a tizzy. Ginny cleans up the stink, and Ron and Hermione appear again with a scoop on the prefects. Of course, Malfoy is one of the two from Slytherin. Luna chimes in on the Ravenclaw prefect. Harry took her to the Yule Ball, but she didn't have a good time because they didn't dance, but Luna wouldn't have minded. Ron's already plotting abuse of power against Goyle, sending Luna into fits of laughter. In The Hubbub, Harry catches sight of the Quibbler's cover, including the article titled Sirius Black, Villain or Victim? He's extremely excited until he realizes the article is a conspiracy theory claiming Sirius is actually the lead singer for the Hobgoblins. There's also a piece on Fudge claiming he's baking goblins into pies, so... Hermione's quick to dismiss the magazine as rubbish. Luna's father edits the magazine. Malfoy appears in his terrible insinuating he knows Sirius was with them on the platform. It's finally time to change into their robes and... Get the carriages to Hogwarts. Luna offers to help Harry with Pigwidgeon, and they make their way over, but Hagrid's not there. Very concerning. They approach the horseless carriages, but Harry is shocked to see they're now pulled by skeletal reptilian horses that no one else can see. Ron looks at him as though he's truly nuts when Harry tries to point them out, but Luna can see them. She's always been able to see them. Did not make it.
0: Did not make it. Full five seconds over. Shoot.
1: Well,
2: I I find it fascinating how you lean towards summarizing actual plot points and (laughs) non-plot points get the the in-depth treatment that they don't deserve. I think that they (laughs) absolutely deserve it.
0: I I think if we actually looked back over prior books, I think the chapters you probably failed the most on are the ones where they're on the train, just because there are a lot of things happening, but it's not things,
1: Yeah, a lot of things happen. Are they ultimately important to the plot? Time will tell. BJ, (laughs) time will tell. But I find them interesting, and I can't just skim over them, so... Fair (laughs) enough, fair enough.
2: I mean, I feel like this is the, uh... We have a train so we can foreshadow things, because otherwise Mm. we just have them arrive at Hogwarts. Which is interesting. (laughs) Um... What, What do you have to wheeze about, BJ? Uh... A handful of things. Uh, very early on, we have... Harry being a bit of a dick maybe? Like, it's unclear but it's really kind of funny that he's referencing um, that uh, the the issue that we had in the previous book about Moody being a little bit insane. And so Harry says, "Uh, I thought Voldemort was supposed to be lying low. Are you telling me he's going to jump out from behind a dustbin and try and do me in? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Which Come on, Harry! Yes. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Um. So, lollopping is not a word that I'd really come across before, and I find fascinating because it's loping but with an extra bit. I, like, I <laughs> like I. I don't know. Uh huh. it's loping with an extra lol. Yeah, um, but not that funny. So, um. I don't know it it, it's it's a thing Um, we also get taking the mickey which is a phrase that I find fascinating it existing in this book Um, I wonder if it's so I looked it up because I was completely confused as to what it was I mean from context clues I had an idea but I'd never heard of this. But it's basically this more sanitized version of taking the piss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if you're actually writing for fifteen-year-olds, like, it, it, really? Why, why not?
1: <laughs> well, so like taking the Mickey is like very British. Like taking the Mickey true. out of someone is is very British. Like I don't I don't think I don't think okay. that it's like a censored version of it. I like, and I don't think it's particularly weird to use it in place of taking the piss out of.
2: Okay, um, I like I, I I don't know, but it just it that's the way that it kind of seemed to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know as a consumer of a lot of British media. I guess of all the the, the British media that I've consumed hasn't contained that, but mm-hmm. it's it's a very probably weird uh, subsection <laughs> of, of British media.
1: But, um, yeah, my, mine is also a weird sub- subsection of British media, and I'm not sure where the Venn it, diagram overlaps and what we've com- <laughs> what we've consumed. It, is there any
0: British media that isn't a weird subsection? They seem to run on. This weird is also true. Yes,
1: this is a fair sure. point.
2: Sure. Sure. Um, I think Doctor Who is sort of the general like everybody watches that now, but I don't know it if wasn't always. Oh no, I haven't seen any of the everybody has watched it. And so I was very excited when people started get going, getting into it. And, and I was like, they were like, oh, who's your favorite doctor? I was like, Tom Baker. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, all right, well, He was a
0: doctor for a very long
2: time. Yes. Um, and he had a better scarf than anybody in the Harry Potter series. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed why you, why you got to be like that, BJ? Um. That's what I do on these podcasts. It's what what I'm (laughs) here for. Scarf elitist. So do we have our first Jewish wizard as a prefect? Um, Unclear, but I'm going to point it out because Anthony Goldstein uh,
1: Mm.
2: is a Ravenclaw prefect. And given how creative uh, J.K. Rowling has been with her other uh, wizard names that aren't main characters, I'm going to guess that maybe.
1: I don't think we ever get any confirmation or denial of this fact but therefore i think we can say it's probably true
2: uh yeah I, i'm i'm just gonna go with it uh and then there are a series of of questions and uh comments that i would have with a completely different set of podcast hosts um that that would be getting into real weeds that i might do with some friends <laughs> at some other point and uh, you know are certain magic things permissible or not permissible on the sabbath i mean like Unclear, but but I think a serious question that needs to be asked.
0: Um, I would I would love to le- to,
2: to read that rabbi
0: guide in mm-hmm. terms of how, what what
2: is allowed and what isn't. Uh, speaking of, I think that there is somebody that I could get to actually write an article on this. Uh, one of my friends, uh, her father is a rabbi in Atlanta that has written sermons on. Uh, All types of things, not the least, including Star Trek and Star Wars. So I feel like I probably could get something of this uh, talked about to a fairly large congregation. And uh,
1: Prime Father
2: might do this. Um, And if I do, and there is a recording or write-up of it, I will uh, bring it to y'all's attention. Excellent. Um... The Goblin Crusher Fudge is a great thing. Um, <laughs> I, it is. I think of all of the things that it are uh, outlandish, this might be more of a thing, and I feel I feel like this might be where we actually get a, a bit of reporting, um, but. But that a,
0: one felt like a kernel of truth. It was embellished. It went yes. all, all kinds of goblins and pies kind of directions. But the core of that one is like, oh, there may actually be a source here. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: do you think that there's a little bit of a reference to Boilum, put them in a Stew here? With uh, He's always talking about goblins he'd done in. He'd had them drowned, had them dropped off buildings. He's had them poisoned, and he's cooked them into pies.
0: <laughs> yes, very so. much mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Um... Let's see. I think that's sort of most of uh, what I have for Wizard Wheezes. Other than I, you know, this is a little bit bleeding into newbies notes, but I do think it's really interesting that I feel like this is kind of the first book that we've had where Harry really feels like a teenager, like he's on the cusp of adulthood. And there are a couple of instances that, that we really get this. And, you know, I'm going to take my time on wheezes to, to talk about it, but uh, I feel like they also, you know, shift into Newbie's Notes a little bit, which is, one, he has the, oh, my crush is here, why can't I be with cool people? Which I feel like he's a little bit old to start in on this, uh, but, like, you know, he got there. <laughs> um, and then the other one, which was realizing other people people making poor decisions um, mm. cuz he talks about how Sirius coming out was like wait a minute that probably wasn't a good idea and yeah. that self-reflectiveness but like analyzing adult behavior in that way is very consequences very mature of him but but i guess it's a very entertaining like we had a very immature teenager and a very mature teenager all in the same chapter Mm -hmm. um which such as teenagers yes um and so like i like that we're finally finally leaning into this i do kind of feel like it's a little bit late in the series to start doing it but like i'm glad that we're there because it feels like a much realer character he feels Mm -hmm. like he's a real character and a much realer person dealing with these things and i like this series to a large extent is him passing to adulthood Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about for like the first couple books that harry felt very much as like
0: a camera on wheels in terms of the, of the experience of him was he was a perspective into the story but last couple books no 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 harry has a role harry has development harry i'm invested in him in a way i wasn't in the early books mm-hmm. because he actually has some aspect of a character independent of just the, the reader's uh, lens into the story
1: And his point of view is there is both a a point of view and opinions that he has on things and ways that he thinks about things, but they are also, they can both align with and um, veer from how we as readers would react in that situation too, right? Like there's enough confidence of him being an individual person, not just a reader stand-in.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he has a point of view also that's independent of the narrative, Mm -hmm. which early books. Those two were kind of one and the same. Now they are distinctly separate. Mm -hmm. And not always in agreement either. Um, But shall shall we do some newbie's notes, PJ? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I am consistently amused by how much the Weasley is leaving their house reminds me of, like, the McAllisters in Home Alone, (laughs) of where it's just active chaos. There are floating suitcases that are bowling over 12-year-olds downstairs, which... I'm amazed that wasn't a bigger deal that they straight up ran over Jenny when they were going, going about this.
2: I mean, Jenny gets the, the short end of pretty much every stick. Um, I mean, Would we'll see if nothing? that changes in the future, but um, I mean, the other thing is they're not leaving their house, so I imagine that Molly has a little bit more of an iron fist when they're actually leaving their house and a little bit more control over their packing and everything else. I, I, I guess I just imagine that There's a little bit of uh, uh, Mary Poppins where it's just like if they're not packing, their suitcase is just going to like eat the things that they need and be packed. And they might not like what Molly packs. It might be a lot more sweaters than they would actually like to have for their clothing, but it will be packed.
0: It also doesn't help that there are paintings that are just screaming for the sake of screaming while they're
1: trying to do this. This it's whole like, scene they're, they're, makes me anxious reading it on a... bit, Like, it makes, me, it makes me deeply uncomfortable.
0: I, I feel bad for Molly generally just having to put up with some of her children, but moments like this of where she could, you could tell that she's barely keeping it together is just chaos reigns about her. It's like, oh dear, what family do you have to endure? Uh, speaking of odd family things, the fact that Hermione's mom and dad sent back Hedwig... Is interesting. I just hadn't really thought about the, the, the ways they interact with the magical world or don't, because they're purely in the muggle world, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. they're just regular humans. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how interesting it was for them to have an owl arrive with a message they now need to return with, and whether they have any degree of prior exposure on how that will work. I, I thought think they, they
1: do. I think Hermione writes them occasionally, but they also would have specifically... Well... Didn't they get a letter? Like I thought, they get yeah. get like read
2: into magical things, and mm-hmm. I also imagine like in these unlikely circumstances, they might have had like a sit down meeting with somebody. Um, <laughs> well, and given uh, given that it's Dumbledore that's heading up Hogwarts, I imagine that it could have been Hagrid, and them <laughs> kind of being okay <laughs> with it. Sure, I, I'm.
0: I, I agree with y'all that. This many years in They probably are familiar with this I would just love Like you said What would be the starter course Yes What would be the first time They tried to send this Who would have been their guide To the Wizarding mm-hmm. World Because mm-hmm. even like Two books in When we saw them arrive At the store Where everybody buys everything They were completely In over their heads And confused Give me a year before that mm-hmm. To know what How the hell they reacted When like the first your, your kid is now accepted To Hogwarts letter Arrived at their house I'd love to see that side story uh, I'm also with you BJ That Harry mocking uh, Mad-Eye with respect to, you know, his constant vigilance and, you know, maintaining active guard is both mean and also just really dumb. It's like when Harry said, what do what they expect if Voldemort's going to jump out of the dustbins at me? I'm, I'm there looking at the book just going, yes, that is something <laughs> that could happen. That is actually a very reasonable concern. Do you remember a couple books ago where you grabbed a trophy and you suddenly got teleported halfway across a continent? That happened. Anything can happen! You're in the wisting world, son! Constant vigilance. What I didn't expect, and I should have, was Fudge punishing Arthur off-camera. Yeah. That I should have seen coming, it still somehow caught me off-guard to see that, given that Arthur has publicly appeared in, like, the other camp, the the people that Fudge deems the enemy, he's getting screwed in a way that I didn't even think they could, given how much he's already been screwed by nature of his profession. But... Even the little perks that he got with his profession have now seemingly been eliminated. And I only can imagine that's going to get worse over time and bleed over into other people that he's affiliated with, who I imagine are going to catch the same collateral damage.
1: Which is part of the reason we saw um, a couple of chapters ago when we were in the Ministry of Magic that um, Arthur and Kingsley Shacklebolt were having such a sort of on-the-surface to-the-public-eye cold conversation because Kingsley cannot... Afford associated. to be associated with Arthur, um, yeah. and still glean information that's important for the order.
2: I also imagine that that uh, Weatherby pushed some of this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, maybe I'm perfectly fine with that headcanon. cannon. Um, I mean, I also imagine that like he could write notes that would say this, like you know, effective immediately, you know no company cars are to be used for, uh, you know, personal Amelia purposes, Williams. you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that 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 feels that's, that's, like not even something yeah. that would be maliciously done. Mm-hmm. That,
0: that feels in the same category as trying to, you know, codify international cauldron standards in terms of just improving efficiency. He probably had a lot of pride in himself if he issued that kind of familial ban <laughs> on company resources. Uh, There's a lot of visuals in this chapter that just tickle me. I think this chapter is a great way of just giving me images of what it's trying to depict. I think the authors in general have done better about that. Happy dog serious, just makes me happy. It just, him lolloping around, enjoying the outside when he's been cooped up for all this time. Happily standing on two legs and putting his arms up on Harry's shoulders. Just being a dog about the day and everybody else reacting well to him. It's delightful. It's stupid. It's (laughs) Those two aren't mutually exclusive in any sense, but it's still a fun moment and you can feel the fun that he's having.
2: The other thing that I thought was really funny is that I can't... I mean, I don't know, maybe not being a dog owner and and makes me a little bit more on the other side of this, but, like, there wasn't anything that I was just like, oh, no, this is clearly a human and dog skin doing this. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know if it's me or Molly just has absolutely no idea what like a normal <laughs> pet is like well,
0: molly has absolutely no tolerance for serious i think it's part of the problem there sure
2: mm-hmm uh,
0: cause even at the end where harry says or, or yeah molly says to you you stood up on two legs but your arms up You're, you need to act more like a dog it's like i've got friends that have standard poodles as just the only pets they've had for years they just do that they are more than tall enough and love to just get up on you mm-hmm. like that um why is Moody briefly wearing a porter's cap as he pushes all of their luggage in? <laughs> it's like, did he do a costume change for this just brief
1: role that he has? He wanted to get in on the the uh, Tonks disguise action. Also, why are you making the guy with a limp push all
0: your bags? <laughs> it seems like a, it seems like a series of dick moves. They're, direct, they're directing towards Moody. I That's actually, it.
1: I feel like Moody would not allow moody is like the ultimate tsa agent he would not appreciate those being in anyone else's control or line of sight i think he probably insisted on this and and the hat hat. hat,
2: yeah i mean also i imagine him doing this with his eye and so like literally everybody that has any idea who he is knows exactly who it is
0: I love also when the series goes into the class divides that are still foundational in British society, in just even the little ways, like that the prefects have their own separate carriage. Mm-hmm. It's a delightful little touch of just, we're already stratifying the student community. And apparently have very separate kind of schedules and roles. I hadn't really anticipated just how much the fact that Ron and Hermione are now prefects is really going to separate them from Harry. This chapter really already started to set up that, no, they've got a completely different sphere they have to take part in that will occasionally overlap with you, but now
2: they've got roles that are outside your domain. And I was also really surprised that the prefects have power outside their house. And mm-hmm. that, like, wasn't clear in previous books that that was the case. And is also a little bit weird, uh, given that, like, there's this whole house points thing. Like, given that there is a significant rivalry that could be heavily affected by the prefect's power, that that's allowed is... I don't know. The system is more built around gaming
0: than actually rules, just in terms of how it actually goes.
1: So Dumbledore's uh, just been playing the game all along.
0: And <laughs> he was the only one that realized it. <laughs> uh Neville being back, I how long has it been since we had Neville? I feel like it's been like a, two, a book and a half or something since we last saw this
1: kid. Yeah, we haven't I mean we saw him at the um I, think I guess he was the, at the games. He was at the games. The last time we really saw him was at the second trial where he was um or before the second trial where he was supposed to be helping harry find the gillyweed
0: mm-hmm. That's that right. has been yeah. A ways. yeah um but I, I like we've talked before about neville's character arc over the course of the story i love how distinct it is that he's gotten better with people because you know like book one neville just couldn't even talk to people it was just almost in locked in syndrome now he still is using every opportunity to diminish himself But he's interacting. He's talking with people. He's being excited and showing them things that he enjoys. Our poor Neville's coming along. Speaking of...
1: Go ahead, BJ.
2: No, go ahead. I was...
1: I was going to say, speaking of sort of emotionally mature characters as we were earlier, can we give a huge shout out to Jenny here? Who... I was going... Thank you. Thank you. When Neville says, I'm nobody... As a sort of like reflexive muscle memory to Luna asking him who he is, Jenny mm-hmm. immediately jumps in with a "No, you're not," um, which I, I love, think is I, incredible.
0: I love that scene. I love that I'm getting a better read on Jenny as a character because previously she was a prop. Mm-hmm. She appeared in certain scenes, and people described what her what what she'd been doing or whatever else. Now she's actually a member of the cast, and I love that she's got a little forceful, aggressive personality in terms of what we have described about her. And yeah her standing up for neville and just you know like no you're neville this is luna meet each other right now it was great i loved it so much y'all are both really also,
2: weird and we're in the same car so you should get to know <laughs> each other i i also when i was at
0: even my more shy stage back in like junior high and high school i'd have friends that would do that and those are the best people ever for the, the shy peoples uh the description of luna lovegood as having an aura of distinct dottiness is delightful and i think summarizes so much about this character you want, you want to talk about just, like, visual depictions. It's like, this went through, like, a paragraph description of just what this character looks like, and I'm just going, okay, I know this person now. I've got, <laughs> I've got to read.
2: The turnip earrings alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I feel like we, we needed a Ravenclaw character, and this was the, all right, let's, you know, we're, we're, we're playing the game of what is a Ravenclaw student, and this is what we came up with, which... Again, like, I think that it, you know, you need to have a, if you're gonna have a major character, like, be part of of the uh, milieu of the book, like, you you kind of want the prototypical Ravenclaw, and I feel like that's sort of, we're getting that in Luna Lovegood.
1: It's distilled so far, like, Ravenclaw is distil- distilled so far in her that it has made her completely abnormal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which, yeah, to your point, BJ, I think that's right.
0: Uh, Sarah, could you please pronounce the name of this fungus thing that Neville is so excited about?
1: It's a mimble... <laughs> I did it right the first time. It's a mimbulus mimbletonia.
0: Thank you. I, w- I was utterly useless in that regard. This seems like in the category of plants that before the modern era, some church would have made a religious crusade just to eradicate them. <laughs> like, just, you know, it would have been an annual
2: tradition that we go into the forest and just burn all these things because dear lord a knobby thing that you mess with a little bit and sprays foul smelling liquid all over the place i mean you really need to get rid of that
0: (laughs) thank you bj always appreciate your guidance on these points luckily we've got a spell apparently has Scorgify appeared previously or is this a new one upon this is a
2: new one
1: the only other place that we would have seen it maybe it's in the movies instead but i think molly uses it because molly also has to clean things yes
0: it, it, would, it would fit for much of what we've seen Molly do previously, yeah. but it sounds, it sounds like a remarkably useful spell. I was caught off guard by Hermione's aggressive reaction to Pansy Parkinson, <laughs> specifically the language that she used. She didn't just express that she dislikes this person. She referred to her as a complete cow and thicker than a concussed troll. Like, that... We've seen Hermione be angry. We've seen Hermione be aggressive. I don't think we've seen this just level of despising another person out of her previously to refer to somebody as a complete cow.
1: Yeah. Isn't Pansy Parkinson the one that in the first book, second book, Hermione plucked the hairs off of and they were it cat is. hairs?
0: Mm-hmm. It, that, that is the person indeed.
1: Okay. Wasn't she
2: or was that somebody else that was kind of excited about uh, the divination class?
1: Oh, that was um, Lavender Brown and Padma Patel. Okay. Or Parvati, maybe.
2: Yeah. Parvati,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I got to express just how utterly disappointed I am. I did a little speech last chapter about how excited I am for Ron and how I thought that he would rise to his position and do the kind of right things. (laughs) Okay, he's had like
2: 10 minutes.
1: (laughs) He's had 10 minutes and he's already abusing it. He's had 10
0: minutes and he's already plotting ways. He's contemplating
1: abusing it.
0: Oh, he is in the motions. This isn't a contemplation. This is a glory in the
2: opportunity. I mean, this but also, he is a, also, he is a necessary counter to Malfoy.
0: Is he, though? <laughs> is it nec- As Hermione brings up, is it the, like, we don't actually have to fight fire with fire, to which Ron's response is, but they gave me so many matches. This, this is how this man is viewing. He's just so much little authority he has. just like, I can hurt people, and that's good.
2: I mean, it's also... I can hurt people that have been making my life hell for the past four years rather than, like, general. Like, everybody... It's less everybody's beneath me and more...
0: He's not coming to this from a Malfoy kind of perspective or Malfoy kind of desires. He's seeing that, eh, if this is how the game is played, I'm here for it, son. (laughs) Which, like, disappoints me all to shit given how much I was representing Ron's character last chapter. Uh... Sarah, you've worked as an editor, you've worked in journalism. Well, how would you review the Quibbler as an institution of what we've seen in this chapter? Hard-hitting. Telling
1: the stories Hard. that need to be told.
0: Yeah, the stories that are really falling through the cracks. Just mm-hmm. things that people otherwise would be completely missing.
1: It's the people's paper, Spencer.
0: I should have realized the National
2: Enquirer was constantly arriving at your door. <laughs> I mean, as, as one of the best movies ever says, you know, this, this is the, uh, the hot sheets. Mm-hmm. thank you men in black
0: you're giving us <laughs> truth in a way we never understood uh also truth uh serious being stubby boardman the lead singer of the hobgoblins i don't care if it's not real it's real this is this is this is canon now that him i can picture him with long hair at 18 playing on a ba- playing a band in this way
1: can i just say that like of all of the things that we read in all of these books it is clear to me that these two articles that we get from the quibbler were Rowling's favorite things to write.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She delighted in doing this. She had such a blast in writing this.
1: Yeah, it shows.
0: They also reveal, though, that Luna, as much as she is purposely being painted as the quirky girl, the space cadet, Mm -hmm. the one who's barely grounded in reality, the moment Hermione mocks her dad, even the most mild way, Mm -mm. she lost her dreamy quality. Mm -hmm. It's like, what element of this is artifice? What element of this is just something the character just delights in being? Versus is it something that she just can't escape from? This kind of hinted a little bit more column A than column B than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, Malfoy's reference to dogging I get that it's a pointed little reference and that it ties up with events. I also tend to view Malfoy as being a step above toast in terms of intuitive value. <laughs> uh, so... I know they're jumping in that direction, but the leap necessary for Malfoy to connect that dog out
2: It feels serious. like jumping at shadows. I mean, I, th- this yeah. seems like a phrase yeah. was used and everybody's freaking out about it, and it's, it is what it they're is.
0: They're developing ideas of, of adult consequences, and now they're just jumping at every possibility that could go there. Yep. But
1: what's interesting about this interaction is that, like, that one seems like a... A, I mean, it's an accidental hit, I guess, but like I think it was a miss on Malfoy's part. I don't think it was actually there, but he did latch on and intuit this um, idea that Harry is is feeling some kind of way what? about Ron and Hermione, not and not being involved in being a prefect.
0: Well, sad, if bullies are sadly good. at... Sadly, if bullies are good at one thing, it's detecting weakness. Mm -hmm. And man, does Malfoy have a read on Harry in that regard. He has, from the first moment we met him, been able to see where every one of Harry's buttons is in giant, glowing, press-me capacity. Yep. This is an obvious one, and he hits it hard. Kudos to him in all of his evil ways. Sure. Uh, On the list of things that don't surprise me, Hagrid not being available to teach class, uh, I'm not not at all flabbergasted by this turn of events. The reason, I'm sure, will shock me, but the absence, on the other hand, has become more common than not. <laughs> on on the other hand, on things that did shock me, the horrible horses out of nowhere, I didn't know that we would be getting that this chapter. I had no reason to believe that ghost demons would be pulling these carriages, at least from Harry's point of view. They're a little
2: nightmarish.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. Uh... I'm also with Harry that among the least reassuring statements we've ever gotten in these books, Luna saying, don't worry, I can see them too, reassures no one as to the state of their sanity. But, nope. uh, yeah, that's all I got on this point.
1: How in the hell are you going to score this chapter, Sarah? I honestly don't know, because one of the things that's that's actually really complicated about this chapter that we haven't had in several chapters is the sheer number of people that we have who play a material role in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um because really, like every well, yeah, we've got the sort of before the train and on the train, and everybody's sort of important. I, hmm. Do you all have any thoughts? It's a hard one to score because
0: no one really, the only place they're going is Hogwarts. They're not really going up or down in terms of a personal capacity. Mm-hmm.
2: Sirius had a good I mean, day. Sirius had
0: a good day. Sirius had Maybe a good day. Sir- I, I think we got to give it to Sirius. Just that, that man had the best day he has had in literally months, maybe years. Just mm-hmm. frolicking about, being a happy dog.
1: All right, consequences be damned. Sirius had a good day.
0: <laughs> consequences are for later chapters. That's true. In this chapter, in this man chapter had good day.
1: Sirius had a good day. Um, but as far as losers, I mean, we have moments of, and they're really more moments of embarrassment than anything else, really, right? Um, yeah. We have Neville dealing with his stink sap.
2: Yeah, we have and, Harry dealing like, with
1: his stink sap in front of Cho.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, though it's sort of off camera, the only person that we know had a bad chapter is Arthur. But like, that's yeah. not. But, but, it's but really like, not that's outside here, the rules. Yeah. But I'd probably give it for Harry. I mean,
0: the Cho moment, though, it is just prime stereotypical comedy. If someone opens the door, the room's a mess. Something falls from the ceiling, and the silence. Mm-hmm. That was a prime comedy moment. But for Harry, he had a very unpleasant moment with the girl he likes. It was from his perspective. He got shown up by Malfoy again. He realizes that his friends are now increasingly got jobs and positions that are outside of him. Yeah. He's questioning his sanity at the end. His and His future
2: to... is gone. Yeah. He also yeah. gets the reinforcement that like he wasn't chosen as prefect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is going... I think that's going to be a worm that bothers him for a while... Um, I bet that it's not going to b- bother him outside this book, which is a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with that choice. And that's an interesting pairing, too. Sirius had a great day. Harry lost the chapter. Hmm.
0: Interesting. We're going to unpack that one later. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Questions? Is it a spoiler or can you tell us about whether there are are, are actually demon horses drawing the carriages?
1: I can't remember when it gets... I won't tell you what the deal with them is because I think that that's an interesting reveal. But those mm-hmm. those horses do exist um, and they have always existed. And some people they can are... see them and some people can't.
0: And apparently some people can see them in certain moments where they previously couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because previously Harry was in the same category as Ron and everybody else. Yep, horseless just... carriages. Yep. And meanwhile, poor Luna has been seeing demons wherever she goes. For, for, this is four years
1: now. She's, yeah.
0: Interesting. Do, do we have, do, are we going to find out
1: why Harry can now see them? Yes. Good. And what I can't, I don't, I, I, it could be very soon, but it's certainly in this book. Like, it might be at the beginning of the ne- next chapter. I don't remember. Um, but it is certainly in this book. Do we get the plant scene in the movies? No. <laughs>
0: um... What, what what is the term for what Tonks is in terms of her ability to change her appearance?
1: The metamorphagus.
0: What are the practical limits in that? Because this is one of the first times we've seen Tonks just appear as a completely different person when she's the old lady suddenly on the street.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's not really explored um, because you would think like you would think that there would be some sort of limits, especially because we've talked. You know, we've talked about this sort of idea that magic does take something out of you, like it takes energy at least, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's never really explored. She seems to be just kind of like existing in a space where she can do whatever she wants with her, with her appearance, which is a little disappointing.
2: So there's a, I don't remember how exactly how he put this out. It might've been part of his YouTube channel or it might've been an essay, but Sanderson talked about hard versus soft versus like in between magic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. JK Rowling Fits well within the in between magic where there are, there are not hard rules, but it's not completely wishy washy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think this is where we're tending towards wishy washy in a way that yeah. um, it's not, it's just adding color to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. mm-hmm. we're, we're, whereas if Sanderson was doing this, we'd go
0: into conservation of mass issues affecting each of the transformation <laughs> she does. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, this isn't the one that's really, like, rife for questions in terms of a chapter. There are... Yeah. I, I, I really don't have that, 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 that much else on my list. BJ, do you have anything else that was you know, prime to mind?
2: Um, well, I, I guess I, I... I don't know. I probably wasn't paying attention. The twins <laughs> just apparated to Hogwarts. Like, they just... They weren't there. And I sort of thought that everybody kind of had to take the train, but is it sort of like once you can do that, you don't have to?
1: No, they would have taken the train. I I assumed
0: they were there, but just went in a different car. I assumed
2: that they were there, but it seemed weird that they... That they would choose to be in a car with somebody else, given that, like, they don't have other friends. Like, we know this. Like, they're... They they are... Like, the two of them hang out... with like exclusively each other, or they torture Ron and and, and Harry, basically. Yeah. So, so Fred,
1: George, and Jenny turned up with Lupin, with Moody, in the luggage cart.
2: Yeah. I, I okay. I, like it was just kind of like a. Oh no! They, they, they went. To... Um.
1: They went to um, hang out with Lee.
2: Oh, okay. Board the train. I guess yeah. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. If Fred specifically says can't stay around chatting all day, we've got business to discuss with Lee. See you later. <laughs> All right. Well, because, of course, they what, do. So what is
0: our next chapter, then, as our, deal which is The new song.
1: Sorted. Yes. The Sorting Hats new song. We have an exceptionally... Oh. I think this is a pretty short chapter. I'm looking forward uh, to It's not then. that short, actually. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> actually, not uh, short at all. It's exactly the same length as the chapter we just did. <laughs> but it
2: feels shorter because things happen.
1: Oh, man.
0: On the plus side, I think it is the happiest one I've ever... That's not only really the happiest we've ever seen the Sorting Hat, that's the happiest I've ever imagined the Sorting Hat in terms of this
1: image. <laughs> it does seem to be dancing, doing a little jig there on the stool that it's sat upon.
2: And does seem to be surrounded by candles, which is very confusing to me.
1: It's also doing a summoning. Many things are happening here.
2: No, it, it is the thing that's being summoned. It, <laughs> well, it, that's it, it, it's the demon from another plane that, that is uh, <laughs> a- answering questions. Oh, boy barely Cannon. contained within the uh, well, it's a lot more candles than a pentagram, but <laughs>
0: well, y'all really enjoyed this chapter I'm excited to see what songs will bear force in the next
1: one this was fun, y'all